You're listening to Seahawks Stories, taking you behind the scenes with your favorite current and former Seahawks. Russell play fake, drops back, going to throw it deep. Got a man. It's Metcalf. He's out there. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. Turbin in the backfield with Wilson, who goes out of the shotgun. Look out. Here comes the blitz. Russell steps up. Now he's got to scramble. Now he dumps it. Turbin. Midfield, 45-40 down the near sideline, 30. 25 puts his head down. What a run. By Turbin, he's all the way down to the Chargers' 21-yard line, a 32-yard pickup. Now, here's your host, Super Bowl 48 champion, Robert Turbin. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your one and only, your boy, Turbo, in for another episode of Seahawks Stories. Very special guest. You may know him if you're from California and you uh, are an alumni from Stanford University. You may know him as a former Seahawks linebacker, but you probably know him most as uh, the color analyst for the Seahawks. And not only that, host of the Wyman and Bob show on 710 ESPN. Dave Wyman, welcome to the show. Turbo, today? <laughs> good to be here, man. I like, your, I like the background there. You got, got lots of jerseys going there. Yeah, no, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that. It's funny because... Man, we're in episode five now of this uh, of this series, and this is the first one I've gotten an opportunity to do at my home office here in California. So, and I originally I set this whole thing up, this whole background up for podcasting and doing things on air, whether it be TV, you know, podcasting, like I mentioned, whether I'm hosting or or as a guest. So, I appreciate that. Um, well, let's get right into it. Uh, you were, you know, it's funny. I want to say this real quick because I know you from the, the Wyman and Bob show. I've come on as a guest a bunch of times and, uh, you and Bob have interviewed me and things like that. Then obviously, uh, we've been working together a little bit, uh, over the course of the years, but I didn't never realize that you played football at the professional level for both the Seahawks and the Broncos. And that's really what intrigued me about having you on uh, as a guest uh, for our show. Uh, so really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you grew up in Reno uh, and uh, man, won a state championship as a high school <laughs> football player. Uh, talk about uh, just the beginning, you know, how the game of football kind of got implemented into your life uh, and, and how you got started playing. Yeah, well, it's funny uh, you say that because I look at Steve Rabel and uh, think the same thing. Like, really? You played? And, right. and Rabel, you see Rabes, you know, he's in his 60s and he, he looks great. But he ran like a 4.3840 at Georgia Tech. And I look wow. at him and go, you're an old man. You can't be running 4.38. You got to be kidding me. But right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, my dad was in the logging business. I was born in San Diego and uh, he went to Humboldt State and got his forestry degree. So we lived in a lot of small towns, but we finally settled down in Reno for my high school years. Mm -hmm. um, how I came to, I mean, my brother and I, it was just me and my brother, my dad, you know, we always lived out in the, out in the sticks. So we were always playing football and, you know, we just loved the game. I mean, we would end up, watching about a half of a football game on TV. And then the other half, we'd go out into the yard, tackle each other and 
you know, and try to get guys from kids from the neighborhood. But um, yeah, so my brother, Mike, uh, he, when we moved to Reno, he was a junior in high school and his senior year, he was offensive lineman of the year in Nevada and he started getting recruited. And so my brother ended up getting a scholarship to Stanford. And, um, and so when it was my turn two years later, uh, you know, I, I took a trip to UCLA, which was, I, I loved UCLA, I, you know, palm trees, it was sunny, you know, just loved, uh, you know, playing in the Rose Bowl, that whole thing. But, you know, when it came down to it, I went to Notre Dame, I went to, um, where wow. else? I went to, went to Washington, uh, University of Washington up here. And uh, yeah, I decided, you know, at the end, I didn't know. I mean, I'm like 18, 17, 18 years old. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go with my brother. You know, I'll, I'll go where, where Mike goes and how cool that would be. And it was really, really cool. We have a picture of uh, him and I celebrating together after a, a tackle on the field at Stanford. My parents would come down. It's about a four and a half hour drive from Reno down to Stanford. And uh, so it was just really cool to have, you know, we were just this little, uh, you know, micro family of just us four, my mom, my dad, my brother and I, and that's really all we had most of the time. So, you know, to be together at those games was, was really cool for me. Um, my, my path to the NFL was pretty, uh, pretty crooked. Um, I was playing, if you ask me Turbo, and I know you know about injuries and stuff, but if, if you ask me, when I played my best football, it was 1984. And it was my, my junior year at Stanford. And I feared no evil. And I would take on everybody. And I didn't, I felt invincible on the field. Uh -huh. We had a game uh, week 10 that year at Arizona. And I was running a quarterback out of, out of bounds and a, uh, a receiver, won't say who he was, uh, <laughs> he chop blocked me totally dislocated my knee my oh. you know my foot was was instead of pointing this way it was pointing that way and it was you know it was crooked they had to put it back into place so um you know and i i tell this story because it's it's what made me it's you know the perseverance of having gone through that injury but it was scary because i'd never had an injury before that was like that and right. for about 30 minutes they thought that I didn't have a pulse in my lower leg for 30 minutes. So, wow. you know, when they finally said, Hey, you're going to be okay. I was like, Oh, you mean I can play next week? And they look at me like, no, we mean you can keep your leg. So yeah, it was pretty traumatic. I had a four hour surgery and just was not given much of a chance to come back. <clears throat> so I missed, uh, I redshirted my senior year, 1985, came back in uh, 1986 and you know, it was tough getting going. The first couple of games, I was very timid and worried and things like that. But finally, I just pulled the trigger and ended up being all Pac-10 at the time, only 10 teams. And I was on one, I think one, I think it was Sporting News All-American team. And I got ended up getting drafted in the second round. But there were teams in the NFL in 1987 that were just not going to draft me at all because they saw the film and they saw the dislocation and they just were like, yeah, that's just not going to, you're not going to. Well, that's part pass. of the league. I mean, that's part of the business. Everybody's, every team is going to do their due diligence. And if you've had yeah. an injury history, some teams just kind of, they wipe their hands clean with it. They don't yeah. even want anything to do with it at all, regardless of how you recovered, how you bounced back and how you even played after having an injury yeah. the following season. Um, and we'll get to your college career because, man, you had an amazing career 
at Stanford. And I want to go through the recruiting process just a little bit in more detail because obviously that's something I can relate to as it's something that I went through as well. But, you know, people, uh, it's funny because, you know, people will ask me sometimes, uh, what phase of football was your favorite? Was it Pop Warner? Was it high school, college, or the NFL, you know? And I, and and, and, man, I mean, every experience is fantastic. I mean, you know, when you go to college, it's like, it's the real first time you play, you know, in front of like a huge crowd, like in high school, you get big crowds, but in college, man, it's like, man, the, the stadium is full. I can only imagine some of the stadiums, including your own at Stanford that you played in at the college level that you're just like, you're just looking around like, wow, you know, look yeah. at the stands, same thing in the NFL. But for me, nothing compares to high school. Yeah. The time that I played ball, the varsity years that I played ball, my junior seniors, like those are the most memorable years for me. And we made it to the state championship game and we had an opportunity to play at the Oakland Coliseum for the state championship. We lost by a touchdown. I'll never forget, I dropped an interception. Would have been a pick six. And we lost- You always remember those plays, right? You know what I mean? Man, I mean, it was wide, nobody in front of me. And then the next year we ended up getting eliminated in the semi. So that experience of winning a high school state title, what was it like for you at that time? Yeah, well, first of all, I was gonna ask you what, were you guys AAA, 4A, 5A your high school? Yeah, we were a 3A school. We were a yeah. 3A school, which is, which is, which was different then than it is now. Okay. I think yeah. right because when I was in high school, it was the numbers as the numbers went up, you were a bigger school, quote unquote. Right? You had right. more students, but I think it's flipped now. It's like the 1A schools are the ones that have the most. Oh, really? I could be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. We we also were 3A. And, you know, I think that was the only division in Nevada where there was a state championship game because they would just take the triple the A team from the north and the triple A team from the south. So mm-hmm. it was Reno and Vegas. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, I played my junior year and we lost on a last second field goal at Nevada Reno at UNR Stadium. And that just stuck with me, man. I mean, we, yeah, we just, I always think about the same thing as you, you know, what plays could I have made? Why didn't I dive over and block that field goal? And so that kind of stuck with us. But the the next year we played a really tough team, Nevada Union in California, and uh, they beat us 10 to nine. Mm-hmm. And then we went on a streak, which ended with us, you know, winning the state championship game. And by the way, that's the thing that I brag about the most on my radio show. Everybody that listens knows that we were state champions in 1981, the Wooster Colts. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I would too. I would too. Yeah. I would too if we would have won, man. There's something <laughs> so, special about, uh, oh, I, mean, yeah. there, I mean, there's high school guys, teammates that I still keep in touch with today. You yeah. Know? Same. So, we, just yeah. Had a, we just had a 40-year reunion of that wow. football team uh, it was over the summer. And so I was there and I'm looking at guys I had not seen in 40 years. So wow. yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I think what you're talking about is just the pure joy of playing football. I mean, yeah. each, each level is awesome. I mean, I always dreamed of getting a scholarship and playing college football. 
And then, you know, the pipe dream, even when I was really good at Stanford was NFL, like, oh man, I could never make it to the NFL. And then you get in the NFL. And the cool part about that is it's just an unbelievably fun way to make a living. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you actually get paid to play football, a game that I would play for free, you know? Right. So, but yeah, high school was really, was really special. And that's, that's something that, um, you know, you look back and there's no scholarship, there's no money, there's no pressure. It's just, you know, just the pure joy of the game. The love of the game. So fast forward, you are in the recruiting process. You mentioned some of the schools already that you were talking to Notre Dame being one of them. And that was my dream school growing up. Matter of fact, Mm -hmm. I almost transferred there from Utah state after the 2008 season, when our coaches were released. And back then there were no, you know, you had to coach, a coaching staff had to be released in order for you not to use a year of eligibility if you were to transfer. I think those rules are different now, but you talked about how you loved UCLA and some of these other schools, University of Washington, you visited. Are, are, are there any memorable uh, coaches, legendary coaches or, or, or uh, you know, moments in those visits uh, that kind of stick with you before you decided, ultimately decided to go to Stanford? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First of all, I was also being recruited by Oklahoma and Nebraska, and I just thought that was wow. cool. And I, you know, said, hey, I would take you could take six trips then. But then, you know, after a while, I'm like, what, what am I going to do in the Midwest? I mean, Nebraska, I got no connection there. I'm a West Coast guy. So the thing I remember is I called the guy, whoever the recruiting coordinator, the coach uh, at Nebraska, and I said, you know, and I'm a 17 year old kid and I'm like, Hey coach, I, I'm really sorry, but I, I'm just not going to be able to make that trip. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm trying to narrow it down. And he goes, well, you know what? We didn't think you could play here anyway. And he hung up on me and I was like, wow. what? <laughs> so that was kind of my first taste of, you know, the putting on your big boy pants and, yeah. you know, you, you could see how seriously they took it there. Um, and then, you know, uh, going to Notre Dame, it just didn't make sense for me. And they were really into all the tradition. You know, they were like, this is where Newt Rockney stood. And I'm like, who the hell is Newt Rockney? You know, <laughs> you know, I just, it just didn't click for me, but, um, but yeah, I just ultimately it, it came down to, you know, my brother and, you know, it was a four hour trip from Reno four and a half to, to Stanford. And yeah, my brother and I have always been tight. He lives in Woodenville. Now we see each other all the time. So yeah, we've we've been tight the whole way, and it was really him blazing the way. And he was a really good football player at Stanford. He just, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't make it to the NFL level, but you know, he was like an honorable mention All Pac-10 uh, defensive lineman. So yeah, my big brother Mike uh, means a lot to me, and obviously, you know, that was most of the reason why I ended up going to Stanford. Plus, you know, it's a everybody gives you a hard time now about being from Stanford, like you're a know-it-all or whatever. I have these people asking me, well, you went to Stanford. And I'm always like, yeah, I, you know, I didn't have that class. So I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, so, but yeah, it was, it was cool. And I, I love Stanford. Wasn't like a, a big program back then. Now they're pretty prestigious, but I think my senior year, we were eight and three and we went to a bowl game actually. But other than that, we were one in 10, four and seven, five and six, you know, that, that kind of team. But but it was uh, that one just made sense to me. So that getting back to the recruiting thing, that was, uh, you know, that wasn't a, a great trip to Stanford. Like mm-hmm. I slept on a guy's floor, the guy that hosted me, 
he was a linebacker named Don Stubblefield from Oregon. And, you know, like he was my host and like all the other schools put me up in like a hotel and all that. And Stanford was like, no, you just bunk up with your, uh, with your host. And, you know, it was low pressure, not a lot to it. And like I said, it was the worst trip that I had probably, but it was the place that I just, I knew I was going to go to. Yeah. Well, you How about you at Utah State? Like, what were the other, what were the other schools that you were, you were thinking about? Yeah, there were some other California schools for me, San Jose State, uh, Fresno State. But the thing for me when I was getting recruited was I knew I wanted to get out of California. I've been, you know, okay. born and raised here. I didn't yeah. even want to go to L.A., really. Uh, I just wanted to venture out. I'm a, I, I just, I've always, even now, I mean, I'm a type of guy that I just, I love to just venture, man, and go to places that I've never seen before and uh, be around, uh, you know, people that I've, you know, never associated with before that have different personalities and a different way of living and lifestyles. And I, I even, I, I knew that about myself as a 17 year old kid. And so not knowing anything about Utah and it's, traditions as you mentioned about Notre Dame per se I went to Utah State I just I just wanted to get out and um I could have gone to Oregon uh and University of Washington Ty Willingham was a coach at the time but both of them wanted me to play defense and I was really good safety in college but I wanted to be Barry Sanders growing up that was that was my dream and so Utah State being one of the few schools that actually wanted me to play running back uh really you know kind of catapulted that decision into going there as well so uh so that's why you know i i ended up at utah state and and had a had a great career and you know speaking of great careers great college careers you had one at stanford uh you know pretty legendary i mean you mentioned earlier i got it in my notes here uh yeah, you were Sporting News All-American, All-Pac-10 player, and you still hold the record for tackles in a football game against Cal, 27 tackles. Do you What do you remember about that game and, and, uh, and setting the record? And hopefully it was a win. Gosh, you know what, man? I never beat Cal. The Ooh. one year that I, I mentioned I had the knee injury my junior year was right before the big game, Cal. If you ever see, you know, the stupid lateral play where the band comes on the field and all that. that was oh, yeah, we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I figured you would, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't remember that game, really. Um, I remember having a really good game against USC, and they announced that I had, you know, 22 tackles or whatever. But I don't know, you know, there was a guy that uh, ahead of me, a guy named Gordy Saraceno, who actually he's the, the first – all-time leading tackler at Stanford. I think I'm second on the list, but yeah, he was a guy that I really looked up to. Really nice guy. Um, we went into the Stanford Hall of Fame together, and I just, I just uh, looked up to that guy so much. And he was one of those guys that would go out and just make tackles all over the field. So, yeah, it was just, it was fun. I think the defense was at that time probably designed for me to to go and do that. But uh, yeah, there were. And in some of those games that I played at Stanford, though, there were a lot of tackles to be had, Turbo. <laughs> there was guys running downfield all over us. We weren't, we weren't very good except for my senior year. Yeah. Well, at uh, least you guys, you know, you guys got to try. I had a very similar college career as well. We weren't very good. And then my last year at Utah State, we go, what, seven and four or something like that, and we get to a bowl game. So 
you know, I know how, uh, you know, I know how having some tough early years can be, but how rewarding it is uh, to be able to get that thing turned around at the end. I do want to touch on the band game for, you know, I don't know if that's what it's called, but we're going to call it that on Seahawks stories today uh, before we get to your professional career a little bit. And you were part of that when the band came on the field and the game was over, but it really wasn't quite over. Talk about that a little bit. It was the wildest thing I've ever been a part of. And the thing that was so, and that still bothers me is my freshman year, I was playing pretty well, but there was a senior that was starting in front of me. And since um, the coach came to me and said, you would start in this game as a freshman, which I thought was awesome. Uh, And except it's the big game. And so we're going to have the guy, the senior start. So he started the game and then I ended up coming in and playing most of the game. But if we beat Cal, we were going to go to, I think it was the Peach Bowl. We had an invite and the guys, this is back in the day where they came to the game with an invitation. And like, if we'd won that game, they were going to present it in the locker room afterwards. And I was going to be a starting freshman linebacker in a bowl game. And I was like, this is like my dream in high school. I was watching these bowl games, just thinking, oh, I'd love to play in a bowl game. And because we lost that game, we lost the invite. So, but on the field, I mean, my experience was this. If you look, I'm on the kickoff team. I'm number 92. I make a tackle with two other guys, Mark Andrew and a guy named Barry Cromer, number 35, number 93. We tackle the guy. His knee goes down. He pitches it. The guy blows it dead. So I run straight to the sidelines. And then uh, there's all this nonsense going on, which I'm not even paying attention to. And then all of a sudden, like, there's all these people on the field and, the you know referees are huddling up and so we all decide okay we're going to go to the locker room so we go to the locker room and we're sitting in there for like 15 minutes and finally an official comes in and tells one of our coaches you lost so we didn't really know yeah it was like 15 20 minutes so it was one of those things that like nullifying it would have been so hard for them to do but i mean if that thing is on a video like now with replay i mean there's like four different things that happen. They have a guy run on the field late. And I think he's the 12th guy. Um, they had, you know, all kinds of, you know, a forward pitch. Um, yeah. And then the bands there. I mean, I just, I think back on that one turbo is like, I wish I would have just got up and made a beeline for the goal line and try to tackle the guy, you know, who has the ball at the end. But like I said, there was a referee there that blew it dead. So it's like, all right, let's go. And I was, celebrating with all my teammates and everything and then turn around and look at what's going on it was just chaotic that's unbelievable the fact that he just came into the locker room and said you lost yeah wow (laughs) wow i'll tell you a funny story really quick my brother who was my brother the reason why i didn't make it in the nfl is because he couldn't run but he could take on anybody like i loved playing behind him because he would just crush guards so he has his full helmet mouthpiece in and he's sitting there because he got in a fight coming off the field and he's sitting there and all of a sudden they come in and say you lost my brother walks over to this door and i swear it's like a nine foot door and it's about two and a half three inches thick my brother goes up to the door and headbutts it and it knocks it off its hinges and then that thing slams on the concrete floor everybody just went quiet and i remember one of the coaches comes up to me and he goes 
hey, you better go get a hold of your brother. He's gone crazy. <laughs> and I said to the coach, I said, I'm not going anywhere near him. And I suggest you stay away from him too. So. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody knows my brother, it's me. You know? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's dive into your professional career. You get drafted in the second round, 45th overall by the Seattle Seahawks. And, uh, you know, we all know that the draft process can be, you know, this unusual feeling, you know, for guys where you, you just you have an indication of where you might go, but you just never really know yeah. how it's going to turn out. Um, you know, did you expect to go in the second round? Did you expect to go higher? How was that draft process for you? Yeah, it's weird. I'll keep this really short because it's I, I've told this story before, but I I uh, was talking to the Chargers and they had a first round pick that was like 27, 26, something like that. Um, I did get worked out by the Seahawks, um, like the Giants and the, and the Redskins at the time told me uh, they were the ones that weren't going to draft me, like I said earlier. Um, but I heard a story from Jim Mora. He was a uh, like a quality control guy for the Chargers, and he told me there was a huge argument uh, when the Chargers picked that one guy wanted me and the other guy wanted a guy named Rod Bernstein. And they had this big fight and everything, and, you know, the clock was ticking down, and they're screaming and yelling at each other, and I guess – the owner finally stepped in and goes, take Bernstein. And I heard that story. Yeah, I heard that story. It would have been like, nice to go back down to San Diego where you were from, huh? Exactly. You know, I probably would have, I'd probably be in San Diego right now, not in Seattle, certainly. So, yeah, and I, that kind of freaked me out because, and every year when I see kids getting drafted, I'm like, your whole life is being determined in some room like that, you know, where, with guys arguing and, you know, deciding who to take. So yeah. every draft day, I think these kids, because I come to Seattle, and I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward ahead. We'll get to it later. But, you know, I married a seagull. You know, I my my family moved up here. I mean, the whole course of my life, I always say this, I would have different kids, you know, if I right, got right. drafted by the Chargers. So, yeah, that, that was weird. But I didn't know where I was going to go. I kind of thought the Chargers. But then um, when the Packers were picking, I think, and at the time that wasn't a desirable place to be, uh, that I got a phone call and it was the Seahawks. And so um, the late, great Rusty Tillman, who just passed away last year, uh, he was the linebacker coach and special team coach that uh, came and worked me out at Stanford. And so, yeah, headed to, headed to Seattle. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know, just like you, Robert, you don't know how much your life is going to change and how drastically it's going to, you know, like everything moved to Seattle. And I've been here pretty much ever since. Yeah, well, Seattle wasn't the only place that you played, right? I mean, Seattle was the beginning, and you played with some uh, fantastic defensive players, Kenny Isley and those guys. I mean, you guys had one of the top defenses in the league, and I know you, you've you got uh, a, a bunch of stories of, you know, some of those guys that you play with, so we'll have to have a, a, a part two. But I do want to talk a little bit about your departure from Seattle and going and playing in Denver and having an opportunity to be uh, with the Broncos uh, for a period of time uh, in your career, you know, how was that transition like for you? Was it, uh, you know, was it, uh, you know, sometimes you leave teams not on great terms, you know? And so you, did you leave Seattle on good terms before going to Denver? And then when you got to Denver, how was your experience there? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, we were two and 14 that year. <laughs> as Seahawks in 92 and my contract was up. And so um, 
The reason I went to Denver, how I got attention there is that Jack Elway, who was my head coach at Stanford, and John was there, obviously, but Jack was there in their personnel department. And I was coming off an injury. I missed the last six games of the 92 season, the foot injury. So um, they needed a linebacker really bad. And Jack, you know, kind of went to bat for me and said, look, and this is the first year of free agency. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. The first when, year ever? Yeah, the, the first oh, year wow. of, uh, yeah, it was called Plan B Free Agency, which wow. I went on strike for in 1987 our rookie year. Wow. That's what that strike was all about. We won the the right to have free agency. So, wow. yeah. And so when Denver offered me a contract, the Seahawks weren't going to match it. I remember Tom Flores, when he saw the contract, he said, that's a lot of money for David. <laughs> and I was like, okay, coach, thanks. <laughs> no, it was, yeah, I mean, it was at the time and it was because of the free agency deal. So I'll tell you this though, you know, and the thing I would say about like for guys like Trey Flowers, you know, I hope, you know, I love that kid and I really hope the best for him. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he goes to Cincinnati, but going to a new place, it's like, you know, I was a clean slate in Denver. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, I had my best year as a pro was my first year in Denver. Um, <laughs> played in every game, played in a playoff game, um, you know, did build up every category, just was playing great football. And, I think a lot of that was that, you know, the coaches in Seattle, they know your past. They know what you can't do, right? Mm-hmm. They know, oh, yeah, you know what the story is on him. He does this or he doesn't do that. I go to Seattle or Denver, and it's, a like I said, a clean slate. They're like, let's see what this guy can do. And the more I, I played, the more Wade Phillips liked the things that I brought to the defense and allowed him to have a – there was a guy there that – um wasn't great at assignments and stuff. So uh, I was on the field with him and would, you know, kind of help him out. And so, yeah, all those things developed and everything was positive, right? Because I didn't have this track record. And especially back then, you know, uh, there wasn't as much information available right. and stuff. So, yeah, that was my best year as a pro. And I always think that when whenever guys leave and go to a new place, you know, the new setting kind of comes along with that. No, you don't bring any baggage with you. All right, uh, last question here. And this is going to be a two-part question uh, just because, man, gosh, I wish we had more time. Um, how do I want I'm good here. I'm good, actually. I got to I gotta get out, you know, head into my radio show here, but we got a few minutes, okay. so. Well, I was going to say you did transition into broadcast, radio, uh, and, and, and doing some of the things that you're doing now. I think you started... Uh, as a color analyst in 2017, yeah, and then you started doing the uh, the, the Wyman and Bob show on 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 710 ESPN, and so I just wanted to you know ask about where your interest came from in 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 wanting to be a broadcaster uh, analyst uh, and things like that, and and then it, really the first part to that question is after leaving Denver, you had your best year, your first year in Denver. After leaving Denver, what brought you back to Seattle as opposed to perhaps staying in Denver? Yeah, well, um, my parents and my brother both moved to Seattle and we started a business together. So they were here. My wife is from Edmonds. So she had all of her family here. So, yeah, Denver was just and it it ended, you know, the first year I said I played my best football. It was nothing but injuries for 94 and 95. And so at the end of 95, my 
you know, I, they didn't pick up my contract and didn't even offer me to come back to camp. And I didn't think it was over turbo. I mean, you know how it is. You, I just, I was hanging on to, I felt like there's no way they can play an NFL season without me. Come on. I mean, what's going on here? So I tried for two years to get, I worked out in 96 and even in 97 and tried to get on with the Packers and finally realized, okay, I'm done. So I went and uh, got a job as a financial uh, analyst at Merrill Lynch. I hated football, you know, because they quit on me, right? I I always say I didn't retire. They did. (laughs) The NFL at the time, it was all 30 teams. So um, yeah, I wanted to do something that was totally opposite of that. But actually, I had a conversation with Rabel one time, and and I actually started on the pregame show like like you uh, in 2004, and then you know then I started you know developing. I did that for probably four or five years. Then ESPN came to town, and I just had my 10 year anniversary uh, at 710 ESPN Seattle in the afternoon show. Um, and, you know, I just, it was a way for me to get into it. I thought about coaching. I thought about scouting, but, you know, that's a lot of time away from your family. And I had kids that I was raising at that time. So uh, the media was great. You know, I never thought I'd be a media guy, you know, because I used to not love the media a lot of times. Right. And um, yeah, but it was a way to keep me uh, involved. And then the Seahawks, you know, I mean, Dave Pearson, who's, you know, vice president, director of, uh, of communications and everything. I mean, he was a, an intern in 1989 and, you know, I've known Dave for, you know, 30 plus years. So, um, you know, and they've always been incredibly loyal, incredibly loyal to me. And I, I so appreciate that. This is a great franchise to work for. And that's why and I'm, tra- I'm not trying to, you know, do some kind of advertisement. It just is, it's just about loyalty. And there's, People like Sandy Gregory, who just retired, Paul Johns, uh, Eric Kennedy. I mean, EK was the, the head equipment guy. He mm-hmm. was a ball boy, uh, like a 16-year-old ball boy from Lake Washington High School that we used to have come in our room and play video games and stuff. Wow. I mean, you've got so many people, and you see the loyalty because there's people that have been there for so long. So that's really mostly what it's been about is the Seahawks really helped uh, helped launch my you know whole broadcasting career. Same thing with Rabel, by the way. When Rabel was calling the games when I played, I always tell this story, but him and I talked for four hours on a plane flight from Cincinnati to Seattle. And he was just just one of those guys I always got along with. And even though he was a, a media guy, you know, we would always talk. So it's 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 cool that we're together in the booth. And, you know, like I said, I've known Rabes for forever. So it's uh, we get along pretty well. Man, that's awesome. Awesome story, man. Well. Dave, thank you for taking time to come on the show today. Uh, really appreciate the stories that you share with us. We have to do a part two because I feel okay. like there's so much more in there that uh, that we can bring out and share on on Seahawks stories. And hey, next time I'm going to ask you questions because I, I want to <laughs> hear about Turbo and your your journey. But uh, yeah, maybe well, we can have to have that. me on one of your shows then. <laughs> hey, anytime, man. You're always welcome on our show, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, wherever that button may be on your screen. Seahawks stories, you can catch it on uh, Seahawks.com, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can hear this episode and all the other episodes that we've done. 
Uh, thank you again for everybody who has listened to this episode. Uh, and we'll be, or excuse me, we'll be back next week.